0: Perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with resi Priority Notify and global dining access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at slash with I bet you're smart. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Stereo Podcast. Podcast. Live. You're down with Rappaport. Yes, I am. I'm a yes, I am. I'm a yes, I am. I'm a yes, I am. You better tune in. I am Rappaport.com. Because every single podcast, you know, he drops bombs. I seen him on set, a season vet with True Town. Catch him on his way to CrossFit, rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track, because he know I rhyme elite. But I'm just waiting for the Robert, Robert De, Niro, De Niro line of the, the week. week. Breakfast the champions, toasted bagel, cream, cream cheese, and, and lox. This is I am Raport. The show never stops. You might catch him out public stretching his knees but if you don't listen to the show yo we're please. Please. The- right, are you and now rocking with the best brand new I am rapaport stereo podcast is coming up next listen I wanted it the people wanted it and he wanted it you got to give the people what they want we have the great one-of-a-kind, first-ballot, shit-talking Hall of Famer, Joey motherfucking Coco Diaz. Joey Coco Diaz, the host of his very own podcast, The Church of What's Happening Now, podcast icon, shit-talking icon, is rocking with us on a brand-new I Am Rappaport stereo podcast. First, me and G. Moody, Last name rhymes with duty are going to set the table with a sick fuck infested I am Rapaport Stereo Podcast. Miles Jordan, let me get something really really funky cuz this is high voltage, high end, pro level shit talking coming up next on the I am Rapaport Stereo Podcast with special guest motherfucking Joey Coco Diaz. Let's go. I told you it was going to be special. It's going to be special. See, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, the podcast that bullies the bullies. That's what we do. We're the podcast that bullies the bullies. My name is Iron Mike Rappaport, a.k.a. The Gringo Man Dingo, a.k.a. Dingo Slice. I'm here with G. Moody. Last name rhymes with duty. Okay, it speaks for itself. That name rings bells. You say G. Yeah. Moody. Some people will be like, who's that? You know, his last name rhymes with duty. People go, oh, shit. I know who you're talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay? Well, yes, we're here. The motherfucking dream team is here. Mr. Moody? What's the deal? How's everything in New York? You guys are about to get smashed with a snowstorm. Are you prepared for the snowstorm?
2: Hell yeah. My sidewalk is salted. I'm ready for it and let it come. I've been through worse. We know how New York winters used to be in the 80s. It was commonplace for it to be zero for the month starting in November. <laughs>
0: uh, what, what else is going on in uh, Nueva York? I'm a here in Los Angeles. I'm in the midst of filming season two of uh, my Netflix show, our Netflix show, Atypical... Right. Uh, with the great Jennifer Jason Lee, who I love. Right. Uh, iconic actress from Hateful Eight, Rush, this, that. Uh, made her debut on the screen. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, if you haven't seen me in Atypical, you should check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, the only complaint you might have, if you know me solely from the I Am Rappaport* Stereo Podcast is one person said, I'm waiting for Michael Rappaport to go Michael Rappaport. Well, it's not the fucking Michael Rappaport show. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. But on Atypical, I'm sort of a, a repressed uh, a guy who's not as in touch with his emotions, okay? Mm. Um, but I, I, I'm excited. We're doing the show. We're having a good time. And uh, we're out here. I, I wish I could be there with you in New York, G, uh, salting yeah. the uh, the sidewalks. Uh, 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 the Bronx Gloom Tomb, unfortunately, I, I I can't be there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate you. Um, yeah, it's all right. I want to give a shout-out to cockeyed Kellyanne Conway. Oh, what happened now? Oh, well, she did uh, some grimy shit, and, uh, you know, it, it's... I'm not even sure exactly what she did. If you've never listened to the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, if, if, if I bring up something like cockeyed Kellyanne Conway... And then I double back with, I'm not even sure what she did. That's because we don't fact check uh, here at the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. But Kellyanne Conway, cock-eyed Kellyanne Conway, as I, as I affectionately call her, um, she is the epitome of a ride-or-die chick. I, mm. I have to tell you, there's no way in hell anybody would have predicted that cockeyed eyed Kellyanne Conway Would have been so bout it, bout it, so motherfucking ride or die for dick-stained Donald Trump. But she is. She's that chick that you Mm -hmm. want riding shotgun with you when you're running from the police. She'll be blasting out the motherfucking back of the car like Tupac. Blast on these motherfuckers. Like, she's Mm -hmm. really that chick. She violated the Hatch Act. H A T C H. I'm not exactly sure what that means, to be honest with you. But the beauty of it is, and the so very Trump of it is, is that Donald Trump gets to uh, figure out what her penalty is. So, so that means nothing. It means <laughs> right. fucking nothing. Like they're, they're they're laughing it off. But I mean, she is about it. About it, man. She's not going yeah. anywhere.
2: Yeah, she'll always be. In in that uh Republican Party, she'll always she'll always be well taken care of. She's a uh what what they call that rap a, a kept woman. She's
0: a what was the a, the the great rapper Apache, q Tip produced the song. Um he the, he he made the song uh well not the great rapper he had a great song. I think he was talented. His first album I actually did like it from Jersey, uh, but yeah. he had the big song a gangster bitch. She yeah. is a gangster bitch.
2: Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever Donald says, she backs it up, and she's got her job, and everybody else is resigning, and she'll always be there.
0: She'll always be there. She'll always have her, her makeup on um, and her lipstick on, and that right eye will be fluttering, and sometimes it's, it's looking forwards, and sometimes it's sort of you know tweaking out to the side, but lo and behold... <laughs> She's in the batter's box, like you're yeah. throwing fastballs at her head. She's hitting, you know, foul ball after foul ball. It's a three and two count, and cockeyed Kellyanne Conway, she just doesn't back the fuck down, yeah. and I, I respect it. Me I too. I predicted she would she would quit a long time ago.
2: Uh, she got she got that Marty Feldman looking eye.
0: Oh yes, the great Marty Feldman. That. cockeyed that's why I call her affectionately uh cockeyed Kellyanne Conway. This yeah. is not an insult. I, I say it affectionately. I have a uh, lazy eye. If you catch me uh, when I'm not paying attention, you'll see my left eye, it drifts off. It, it just will drift the fuck off. And you'll be like, like I've had people go, Are you looking at me? I'm like, no, that's that's just you know, I'm not looking at you. Right. Um but but Gary Cohn, the economic advisor, Trump's top economic advisor. He's done. I believe this is the 19th motherfucker. I don't know who will be lucky number 20. Um, and we don't fact check, but I believe Gary Cohn is the 19th person to leave the White House, uh, since Dick stain Donald Trump, uh, took office. I don't know if that's some sort of record. I don't care. Um, I don't know who will be lucky number 20, uh, but I am sure, uh, by, I'd predict I don't know, by my birthday, March 20th, coming up, folks. My birthday Mm. is March 20th. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Another person will be down. To quote the great Freddie Mercury of uh, the classic, iconic uh, rock group Queen, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, another one bites the dust. I I, I guarantee you by the time I am 48 years old, there will be 20 motherfuckers that have left the White House. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause well, but- something happened with tariffs and I was thinking to myself, they're going so deep into the lingo and language. I remember a, a seventh grade, uh, test that I probably failed. Uh, I was in the seventh grade at McBurney, uh, McBurney school, um, in Manhattan. I believe it was 66 off central park West. I was one and done there. They respectfully asked me. They didn't actually officially kicked me out, but they officially didn't invite me back the next year. I remember mm. it, clear as day. They had a meeting with me, uh, my father, the great uh, Disco Dave Rappaport, and my mom, June Brody, and they invited us to the school, and they said, you can't come back. And, and, mm. and I remember saying, are you kicking me out? And they said, no, you just can't come back. Uh, oh, I, so you should... <laughs> I remember I said that. Are you kicking me out? They said, no, you just you just can't come back. Oh, okay. Hey, but you know what, though, G? What that are- that, that is why this podcast... If, if I was to do it all over again, listen, I have no regrets, but if we were starting the podcast right now and I knew everything that I knew right now, I would call this podcast Disruptive Behavior with the Gringo Man Dingo and G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty. Now, oh, yes, that might not fit onto any podcast apps or iTunes apps. It might be too long, but these sort of things... Uh, made me develop the thick skin that I have where I can say I am the king of motherfucking disruptive behavior. And I'm here to announce also we are bringing back all the butter soft I am Rappaport soft t-shirts starting with, starting with the first ever disruptive behavior collection t-shirt. Okay, districtlines.com, districtlines.com forward slash I am Rapaport. You know what we do. Mm-hmm. We only put out that butter soft. We give the t shirts the more you wash them, the more you dry them, the better they get. I wear them every fucking day. Now, I don't always wear my I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t shirts. Because they become conversation pieces. Some people mm-hmm. might say, oh, you rocking your own T-shirts? And I go, why wouldn't I? Fucking best podcast, best T-shirts. But I do rock sometimes just the plain, butter-soft T-shirt that we have our designs on. Every single day, that's a fact. I sleep in them, I uh, I work out in them, and I wear them literally every day. So we are launching uh, the Disruptive Behavior I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, inspired by the actual stamp. The stamp that was given to me in public school, they had these stamps. It literally said, disruptive behavior. Why did you get suspended? Disruptive behavior. Why are you in detention? Disruptive behavior. They had a stamp, and I would have that fucking stamp on my letters to my parents and on my report card. So fuck you. We turned it into a beautiful, butter-soft Iron Rapport stereo podcast, because this is the place of all things disruptive. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how the fuck I got on that rant. Where do we start with that, Moody? I don't know where the fuck we started with that. I I don't know. I'm just here. I
2: listen, man, and then I say my shit. But go ahead. Keep going.
0: (laughs) I don't know, but sometimes can she at least, like, cue me back up? I don't know. Oh, a lot of people have been asking Monetti. Oh, by the way, with the t-shirts, we're coming out with the Suck a Shit t-shirt part two, black, black t-shirt, white letterings with the red brick, Suck a Shit t-shirt part two will be coming out, Um, and all soft t-shirts, again, districtlines.com forward slash I am Rappaport, don't forget the T at, my, at the end of my name, I'm not French, it's not Rappaport, okay, it's not silent, it's there, It's to be said and to be spelled. What I wanted to ask you, G, Miles, please cue that Willie Hutch. I'm not screaming on anybody, by the way. I'm not doing it. That's that Willie Hutch. Um, You know when that comes on, most of the time, that's when I get hype. That's when I get my most hype. That's when I do... Some of the most iconic shit talking In podcast history If I could say so myself But Moody For the people out there I've been asked probably 10 times Since we did the uh, the iconic uh, Barstool gangbang episode With the 45 yeah. minute Willie Hutch rant 45 yeah. minutes Can you tell the people What song that Willie Hutch Loop hookup is from Because I've been asked over and over and over And yeah. you are the man to answer that
2: Alright, I'ma i I'm am tell these motherfuckers. Yo, we don't we don't tell our mm. records, man. Remember, this is a hip hop podcast. Yes. So so when you go to the turntables when I was young yes. and I would sneak to the turntables in the park, all the records on the turntable were blacked out. You just can't go up to the DJ and say, What record is that? Okay. You have to you have to find the record. Just like I found the record. Respect. So it's a Willie Hutch record and that's all I'll give you but I don't divulge the crates like Diamond D said Mm. I know a lot of beats but I say no
0: names I respect that shit listen Willie Hutch's catalog is not that extensive listen to Willie Hutch his music is easy to find and you'll hear the song that inspired that loop that you're listening to right now That sweet Willie Hutch loop, which is like a fucking, when you hear that, it's like a siren. Usually when that shit comes on, when I say, Miles, (laughs) let me get that Willie Hutch. Like people are primed and prepped. Like I I, I feel like I'm sort of disappointing people right now by not flipping on somebody by playing it. But I just wanted to to share that with you. But the the, the beat maker, G Monetti. Ah. I live by the code. I live by the code
2: of the original, the original guys who created this this is why they blacked
0: out the record. So other people just couldn't see it. Yes. <laughs> yes. You right. You right. You right. Um, what else is going? Yo, you know who I got, uh, who I got to meet? I love him. Love this fucking guy. Uh. Ooh. and I'm gonna have him on the podcast. A former assistant coach of one of my least favorite teams in NBA history, the Miami heat, the Miami heatles. He was with them through their whole run. Uh, Former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies um, made one of the great sports rants uh, of the last 10 years, uh, you know, when he felt like his team was getting uh, cheated by the refs or it was biased uh, officiating last year when he uh, he said, uh, and I quote, don't try to rook us. Uh, my man, David Fisdale, I fuck with this guy so hard. Yeah. Uh, he, you can see him on ESPN, but I met him and his like kindred spirits. Uh, he's going to come on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. And today, as I said earlier, shit-talking Hall of Famer, the host of his very own podcast. He's been doing it for a long time. Our guy, Joey Coco Diaz, is coming on the show. And, G, Coco yeah. Diaz is fucking out there. Where? Oh, uh, he don't fucking play. He comes in. He's talking shit. He's telling stories about sniffing cocaine off the top of refrigerators with Daryl Dawkins. Oh, he Dang. just Yo, this, this guy's right up, our, like he's right up the pipe. He's like a slow-pitch, mm. shit-talking Hall of Famer. So he's coming up later on in the show. And, gee, there's so many sick fucks that I almost feel like, on this particular episode, I, I feel like if we cue, well, we have to cue the music because that's what we do. But I have like a list of them. And and, and it's only been two or three days since the, the last podcast. I don't want to cue the music just yet. I don't want to cue the iconic sick fuck of the week music yet. Um, I wanted to ask you this. All right. Do you watch the show The Bachelor? Oh, no. I never
2: watched that. I heard about it. I never watched it. What, what, what's good about it?
0: This show is so insane to me. Everybody knows what the show's about. Uh, right. With, with The Bachelor, which is currently going on there. Uh, this guy named Ari, I can't pronounce his last name. They call him Pillow Lips. They call him the Kissing Bandit. Uh, he's a, he, he's some sort of lowbrow uh, NASCAR, race car driver. I, don't, I think it's all bullshit. I don't think he's a real race car driver, but what do I know? I don't fact check. Um, but, you know, on The Bachelor, you know, he comes in the show, and in the beginning, there's like forty women, and he meets and greets them, and it, gets, it cuts down to twenty women, and then he starts taking them on dates, then he starts kissing them, making out with them, and then it's like ten women, and then they're like going on, you know, overnight trips, and then it's like five women, and and when it gets really intense, you know, they'll go to like Finland or Sweden or Italy or Spain, and they he'll be out there with like five different women, and each woman. We'll spend the day with him, and at the end of the day, after being wined and dined in one of these beautiful locations, you know, he'll invite them into what they call the fantasy suite. You have an option. They'll be at a hotel. Do you want your own room, or do you want to be in the fantasy suite? And oh. and I have to assume, you know, because they're always kissing on each other. They're kissing, kissing, kissing. I have to assume in the fantasy suite, uh, they're freaking off. I mean, the guy like- is unfolding the loaf. Oh, and, what? And I, I, you have to assume it because most of the time, the way they shoot the show after a night in the fantasy suite, they'll show the woman leaving and they'll show her literally. And I'm not just, I'm not like overstating this. They'll literally show her skipping away out of the fantasy suite. Like they'll do a skipping montage. Like she'll be like, it was so great last night. We got to know each other. And I'm like, I know what that means. You freaked off. And then he'll do that with another girl the next night. And then I think sometimes a third girl. And it's just, I, I watch this show, and I'm like, this is this is fucking crazy.
2: The this, Bachelor. The
0: Bachelor, and he's on the show. And these people's moms and their families and all their loved ones and friends and people that, you know, they haven't spoke to years, they're watching you go into the fantasy suite on, on television and basically saying, I'm about to freak off with a guy who's, Gonna freak off the next thing. It should be called like the fuck off instead of the bachelor because he's basically test driving each one of the women to see if their fuck style is buck wild. Uh,
2: Yeah, yo, it should be called the gigolo. I mean, that's like some whole shit. It's like this one, this one, yo, isn't that like sexism? Isn't that just objectifying the women? I don't know what is is? on television.
0: I, I listen. Listen, man, it's it's wild to see. Um, and on this season of The Bachelor, he said to this one girl he was going to get engaged, and then two days later, he uh, flipped. He flipped. He said, he, and then the girl's like devastated. And they had the whole thing in real time with two cameras the other night. And this girl, Becca, she's like fucking sobbing, like from her guts, from her innards. And I'm like, this is this is sick. And people, it's they know it's not fake because you. Let me tell you something. Uh, uh, no, no actress. Jennifer Jason Lee, Jennifer fucking Lawrence, fucking Jennifer Hudson. No actress could do what this woman Becca was doing. I mean, she was just you know crying and crying and oh. crying like, and it's just guttural tears. And I'm like, this is. Savage, and you know they were in Spain or, or Australia. I don't know where the fuck they were. And, and she was in the fantasy suite. And, and 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 they meet the parents. And he skeeted off. And he, oh, he, it's just crazy.
2: It's the man. The man makes out like, yo, I, I, I'm gonna protest this show. I, I I think I think it's wrong how they treating the women. The guys just running through the women. It's and nuts. He can, he's skeeting off one, and then he's skeeting the next one, and then he
0: may choose this one. This is this deserves to have a protest. I, I agree. You protest every fucking thing else. I don't see how there's not like a fucking people marching in the streets. I mean, they protest every single thing else. They're protesting Airbnbs. I mean yeah. everywhere you go, there's a protest. Yet the Bachelor and the Bachelorette, which is basically the same thing, but the tables are turned where the woman she gets to test the man's fuck style. Same exact oh. thing, but it's a woman. And 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 mm-hmm. I'm like, what is she is she fucking each guy? Like I just I just don't understand how you could go on one of these shows. And you know, some of them may skeet, some of them may not skeet, but I'm just like, out of all the things that they're protesting, with, yeah. a, with all the that, hashtag times up and hashtag me's too, and I'm not trying to be a player hater. Uh, this is wild that this shit is on TV and no one's like up in arms about it. Exactly. Now, now if The Bachelor is going out with one girl
2: and she decides not to freak off, then she put herself at a disadvantage. Yes. Because the next one will skeet off and that, well, that will curry the favor of The Bachelor because he skeeted versus you not skeeting.
0: Yes. So you're out of it. Skeeting? <laughs> skeeting, as Mr. Moody just said, versus... Uh, not skeeting. I mean, listen, you're at a disadvantage. And, the, and 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 you know what? The reality is the women know that. Like, in order to compete, you got to skeet. I'll say it again. Oh. In order to compete, yes, sir, oh. you got to oh. skeet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That should be the fucking tagline for the show. Like, yeah. in the beginning, when the host comes out there, he says, in order to compete, yes, sir, you got to skeet. Like, oh. When they're revamping the show... And I don't think they're ever going to need to revamp it, because I think it's fascinating to watch. And it's, it's crazy yeah. to watch this shit.
2: Yeah, and it'd be like Johnny Cochran. Remember he said, if, if glove doesn't fit, you must quit. This time, they just have a condom. <laughs>
0: yeah, the condom in it, you just say, in order to compete, uh, you must <coughs> ski. Um, yeah. Miles Jordan, cue that iconic, haunting, eerie, sick fuck of the week. Yeah. Use it. This award is earned, not given. It's called the Sick Fuck of the Week. This guy's really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. You fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What? Sick fuck. The Sick Fuck of the Week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. No! No!
2: Yes. There it is. That's it right there. That's it. That's, that's nice. it right there. That's
0: very nice. That's... Oh, yeah, that's it right there. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been on the forefront of the friendly skies not being the friendly skies. And I don't think flying across the country, short trip, long trip, has ever been so dangerous... We told you many times when you are flying on a flight, it is not the place to feel like you're going to get business done. It is not the place to rest and relax. The friendly skies are no longer the friendly skies. They are the fighting skies. Mm-hmm. Okay? They are the fighting skies. A Sky West passenger was subdued, beaten. And restrained. The woman appeared. It was a woman. Yeah. Mid flight. Skywest. I don't know where they were going from, but I, I could tell you something. This is not a cross-country flight. And I hate to point fingers, but it's these shorter flights. And I don't know why. Where people really get crunk. She tried to break into the cabin. Uh she was having some sort of mental breakdown. And you know, she was out of her fucking tree. Because she was repeatedly screaming, and I quote, and I quote, I am God. I am God. Listen, if you're on a plane and somebody's running up and down the aisles, and they're talking that I am God shit, you got to fucking cold cock them. I don't care if it's a 92-year-old woman. I don't care if it's a a 15-year-old boy. You're not bringing this fucking plane down. I don't want to hear that shit. And they did. They restrained her ass. Listen, safety first. Okay, you're not gonna get any soul charges. If you see somebody running up and down the plane and they're saying, I am God, I am God, you gotta fucking get on some Lawrence Taylor, Ray Lewis shit and knock the shit out of them. Word. Yo,
2: you can't, you wouldn't be running up and down the aisle. Like with me, yo, my life is precious. And if I have any suspicion that you're gonna go in that
0: cockpit, I'm gonna cold cock your ass. Yes. Yes, sir. This flight was actually from San Francisco to Boise, Idaho. I'm telling you, it's these these middle these middle flights. Um, yeah. I, I don't mean to scare anybody. Yo. This oh, is- yeah. I, and, and she tried to open the cabin door. Nah, saw- kick, I'll kick you in your fucking back on some Bruce yeah. Lee, Steven Seagal shit. Right in yeah. your fucking back. Straight um- up and down. Yeah, no problem. And then I'm duct taping you, throw you in the, fucking, the into the bathroom, and you're not interrupting the flight. We're not landing because of you and your foolishness. That's not happening Word. on my watch. Sorry. Uh, can I
2: give you a touche? I have a flight thing, too. Oh, yeah, please. Uh, staying with the theme of aviation, uh, shortly after taking off on a flight to Malaysia, yep. a man opened his laptop and began watching porn. The porn got him so hyped, he got butt-ass naked in his seat, mm. oblivious to everyone around him. Bass and he started, he started choking his chicken. They have pictures. He was naked in the seat. And they're in the air. And after he got up, he chased the stewardess on the plane. And then one of the passengers yoked him up, and they, they subdued him. But it's getting rough up there. And I'm ready to. I'm I'm working out. I'm training. I'm ready for this shit, rap. <laughs> You're working out solely for this, for your next flight. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one of them guys that just sit on a plane. I'll be looking for shit just yeah. in case. So I could be a hero and I could be in all the papers and shit. Cause if anybody <laughs> get up if anybody get up, I'm getting on some old school Tyson shit. No I'm just doubt. walking up.
0: <laughs> um finally with the sick fucks of the week in the in the plane. Uh, This is just a sick flight of the week. <laughs> a United Airlines flight from Charlottesville, Virginia to D.C. got so turbulent. There was so much wind, so much turbulence. The entire flight crew and, and the captain and the, the people flying the plane, everybody was throwing up.
2: Oh, that's what I, oh man. See, that's what I told you. That turbulence should be scaring my ass, man. Yo, I couldn't deal with that. Have you ever thrown up? <laughs> nah, I never. But uh going to California one time, the plane just whipped. And everybody was like, oh, yo, that is
0: nightmare for me, man. Nightmare. Yo, <laughs> I uh I was on a, a small plane once, and it started doing that, that bump and grind, that R. Kelly, you know, yeah. that shake and bake. And I had a, a gap bag full of clothes that i had bought from the gap and i had checked it in with me i dumped out all the the gap clothes threw up right in the bag like what's gucci oh man. right on the plane yo luckily i had the bag but I, ha- yeah. I, I i knew i was gonna throw up and and it was it was like it was like planned i dumped the the, the bag of clothes out threw up uh wrapped the fucking uh, bag up and kept it funky uh, I but hear you man I, I don't play I've cried on planes like I get so I got a bad stomach everybody knows my uh, comings and goings with the ulcerative colitis I don't play that shit yeah
2: yeah I know you you can't be up there with no type of movement
0: nope. with your condition nope 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 um I want to give another sick fuck of the week to a 20 year old Oregon man Portland Oregon this piece of shit this sick fuck this animal uh-huh. who should actually now be on the FBI's uh, list. You know, we we talked uh, last week on Dick's Sporting Goods and Walmart. You know, they've raised the age on, on gun purchases, and they're also ne- no longer selling these assault rifles, which are just, you know, murder machines. This piece of shit, 20-year-old piece of shit in Oregon is trying to sue Dick's and Walmart's because he just needs that heat in his hand. Damn, you you need the gun that bad? First of all, you're gonna lose the lawsuit. Second of all, you're gonna be on an FBI list for the rest of your life. Third of all, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like you think this shit is funny? And it's discrimination. Like like what? people think they could just sue anybody over anything.
2: Yo, litigation and all this bullshit. Throw it out. I'm a, I'm gonna tell a judge before we go to court. Just throw it out. <laughs> throw it out. Throw throw out this bullshit. Don't waste the court's time. Take his guns. He cannot sue Walmart and none
0: of these motherfuckers. Get this guy out of here. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. And then we're going to bring you into a holding cell. And you're never going to make it through an airport easily. Like every yeah. time you have to fly on a plane, you're going to be held up and jammed up. You're going to be getting, uh, every time it's for tax season and all that shit, we're we, we, we going to jam you up for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um. Uh, in Florida, shocking. This is terrible, <laughs> man. And the daughter's not the sick fuck of the week. Uh, a 19-year-old girl and her father were reportedly arrested when um, witnesses saw them having sex outside oh. in the backyard in Florida. This girl is a victim. Yeah. Um, the father, you know what you're getting. You're going to jail. You're getting that Wonder Bread bag and olive oil treatment. This woman should not be arrested. She uh-huh. should be uh, you know, put in a mental facility and treated cuz she's probably been abused her whole life. This guy's name is Justin Bunn. Okay, you're going to go to prison and somebody's going to somebody's going to have you as a woman. Now if you yeah. look up Justin Bunn, he's got a goatee. They're going to shave that goatee off. Okay, and they're going to use Kool-Aid for lipstick.
2: That's yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what they do in there.
0: Okay, you're gonna have lipstick on on your mouth, and and you're gonna be walking around, hopefully, hopefully on a leash, like a little <laughs> fucking like a, like a stray ass bitch. Okay, like a, and I say bitch, I mean dog. You're gonna be walking around on a leash, cleaning somebody's ass, tossing their salad with your mouth, mm. cause you're a sick fucking animal. Disgusting.
2: Yeah. He should be stoned. He shouldn't even get any go to prison. Something like that. You should be stoned. That's it. I told you there's a lot of sick fucks, G. I hear you, man. I'm ready. I like it all this shit.
0: In Florida, a middle school teacher, good, I'm glad, was outed as a white nationalist. I said it once, I'll say it again. Podcasts are like assholes. Everybody has one, but you are now rocking with the best. Mm-hmm. This teacher, uh, D- Diana, Diana, I don't know what the fuck her name is, Miss Voltage, a social studies teacher in Crystal River, Florida. She has her own podcast. She's talking all that white nationalist shit. She lost her job. And now you have the scarlet letter of being a racist fuck. And she's got tremendously big teeth. That has nothing to do with why she's a sick fuck. But if you look her up, Mrs. Voltage has big fucking horse teeth.
2: Yeah, I read that story. She, yeah, she was proud. She was unapologetic about
0: it. Um, finally, and there's a bunch of sick fucks. Um daycare workers these people are nuts daycare workers in chicago were so overwhelmed uh, uh, by the class these are little kids you know 4 or 5 daycare workers uh, a class between uh of 12 children uh they actually the ages is between 2 and 3 they couldn't control the kids didn't have the energy to deal with the kids they gave the kids melatonin gummy bears to put these little <laughs> motherfuckers to sleep you sick oh, fucks man. they arrested them they put them down but at nap time by hitting them with that melatonin i take melatonin at night oh you do that shit is real man when you need to get some sleep and you 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 can't play games that shit is real oh man it puts you out yeah it just it just helps you it takes the edge oh. off if you you know you it just takes the edge off it doesn't it's no like a sleeping pill it just it's like a natural form of a a sleeping um additive listen oh i told you we had a bunch of sick fucks um the table's been set okay the people wanted it i wanted it shit talking hall of famer coming up next on the i am rapaport stereo podcast the great funny outrageous doesn't give a fuck joey coco diaz let's mm. fucking go This is it. This is fucking it. The people wanted it. I wanted it. Iconic podcaster, first ballot Hall of Fame shit talker. Me? First ballot Hall of Fame shit talker. Absolutely. First ballot Hall of Fame. Joey fucking Coco Diaz. We're here.
1: Is in the house. Monday morning, tip top fucking Magoo. Ready to go.
0: Coco, how you feeling, my man? I
1: feel good. Uh, there's not a cloud in the sky, you know. I, I didn't watch the Oscars, so I didn't get poisoned last night. Why? Well, I was
0: going to ask you about that.
1: I, no, I did comedy last night.
0: did you watch any of it? Nothing. You consciously didn't want to watch any of it? No. It was so, being that you're a shit talker and a consummate shit talker, I felt like the Oscars, there was no shit talking. Like, everybody's so freaked out offending, stepping on toes, you know, we're in such a fucking place where, like, you know, you don't want to wind up the next person who says something that, you know, gets extradited. How are you navigating your shit talking uh, with this obvious reality of you, anything you say could be used against you in a court of Twitter? That's the reality. Anything you say could be used against you in a court of Twitter, and then they want to cast you off to some fucking island somewhere. I don't know where the island is.
1: All right, plain and simple. I'm 55 years old. I had a fucked up childhood. I went to prison. I turned my life around. I've done this on my terms. If you get offended by something I say, I really don't give a flying fuck anymore at all. Like, you say to me, why didn't you watch the Oscars? I've been here for 20 years. I've heard every story. I've heard every song. And to make it even my like case even stronger, I'm from New York City when New York City was New York City. So you got to get up early in the fucking morning and put a snow story over on me. Right. I uh, There's a lot of shit. I walk into a club and the comic says something about abortion or punching a baby in the face. Yeah, I don't like it, but it doesn't mean I'm not friends with him. Right. It doesn't right. mean he offended me in any way. There's a lot of things people are going to say in this life that offend you since the time we were four, you know. I can't. I, I, I went to a comedy show last night and there was an open mic. I paid five bucks to get on stage. It's called The Fourth Walk. You went up? Yeah, I go down there. I pay the five dollars and I work out shit or I just talk just to keep you revelant, to get that muscle going, you know? And three of the five comics were talking about racism, you know, like three of the nine comics were talking about racism. I'm a Cuban. I was not born here. I landed in New York City in 1968, 1966, okay? My mother had a bar in Harlem. Uh White kids wouldn't talk to me because I was allergic to maple syrup. You know, I dressed in white with a gold chain. I went to PS 166. But my godmother, my Santeria godmother, lived on 148th and Broadway. Right. That's where the party was at. Right. Dirty Irish kids, some Puerto Ricans, some black kids. Everybody gets along. You know what I'm saying? I was never, when somebody said the word spic, Michael Rappaport. I got to tell you something. It never bothered me. It, I giggled, like I giggled. I even have a kid that his parents took me in when my mother died. He calls me Spick. What are you going to do? Are you going to stay in? Are you going to go? It does not bother me at all. Mm. It's to the extent that you make it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, we live yeah. It, it's to what do you make. That, you really? That, yeah, that's. that's I, really get I, lo- I did a sociology paper in college on the movie Do the Right Thing with Spike Lee. It took me. I would not watch that fucking movie. I saw the movie and it's about a a neighborhood in our neighborhood where we grew up where the Irish had a block and they were the potatoes the fucking guineas had a block the yams had a block the Puerto Ricans had a block everybody had a block but at the end of the day it worked even though if I said hey go to don't go to the spick store go to the Irishman over there the potato he's got uh that type of beer or whatever but at the end of the day we made it work it worked, and nobody's feelings got hurt, and all right. those kids from that generation are that much stronger today. You know.
0: So wait, where do you think it's going, look Now, like, because it's such a concern. Like, it's such a every fucking day, and, and, and like, part of it is mine because, like, I'm on the fucking social media, and it's like every fucking day with it. This one's offended. I get offended. I get offended by the by the president. I offend other people constantly every fucking day uh IFN people and I know exactly what you're saying like New York I don't I mean now I don't know how it is now in not, terms of not, for the kids it's like different especially like Manhattan that. is totally, yeah, different. totally different Manhattan is totally like an elite place They got an place. olive
1: garden on Times Square that just goes to tell you
0: Harlem is still Harlem for the most part a little bit The Bronx is the fucking Bronx
1: always and always will be
0: I mean it's a like the Bronx is still the fucking Bronx and but you know like even like you saying these words like people be like, what the fuck? Like, that's like a game stopper. Like, whoa, what the fuck did he just say? He said the S word and the, you know, like, people freak out. Like, ah, even me as a big shit talker, as a white dude, you can't say that shit. You cannot say that shit in this, in this day and age. You you get fucking, who, you, get, who don't, you get neutered. You, they'll fucking neuter you. They fucking neutered Jimmy Kimmel at the Oscars. It was like he was... You know, handcuffed. He didn't know what the fuck to say. It was funny because he's funny. I
1: wouldn't fucking ha- take that job if they're going to handcuff me. I'm going to go. You gave me a job to do. I'm going to do it my way. If you're that uptight, you bunch of fucking mutts. You bunch of fucking mutts. Like, what the fuck are you people? What right. the fuck? You know, they act like the, they act like they all went to fucking Mize in this house. And then Ice Q came off of Compton and acts better than all of those motherfuckers. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, knock it off, <clears throat> you fucking elitist-type bullshit. You hire me to do a job, I'm doing a job. And, and in fact, half of those people sucked Harvey Weinstein's dick and enjoyed it. They really fucking did. They did. I mean, who, whose mother raises you not to go to a hotel room? What do you think going to happen in a hotel room? You suck dick. That's what happens in a hotel room. So I'm done. Like, I'm, guys, I'm done. The president, Hillary, Trump, do me a favor do me a big fucking favor in 1979 Castro opened up his jails and the city and said if you guys want to leave leave and people left everything they owned every material possession including family members to come back a- if you think I'm sick and tired like I told somebody last night that came home my, my wife is not a wa- allowed to watch Fox and Friends at the house no more why no more. It fucking, drives her
0: fucking nuts, right? Drives me nuts.
1: I don't want to hear that shit no more. I don't want to hear this bullshit every fucking day. You turn on World News tonight. That's my favorite. I used to have fantasies about fucking the blonde on there. What's, the, <laughs> what's her name? Diane Sawyer. Yeah. I would eat her asshole like a fucking on the with a firecracker. That's my girl. Then they replaced her with the dude. He ain't bad, but that's my show. Six thirty. Everybody knows. Don't bother me. The first 10 minutes, it's about 15 minutes, it's about Russia, this, that, this, that. Then at the end, you feel good when they show you the story of a fucking blind kid that can play the drums. That's when you feel good at the end. You know what? I can't even watch the news anymore. If you're not happy with Trump, if you're not happy with Hillary, if you're not happy with the political system, which you're never going to be happy with, do me a favor. Get on a raft like the Cubans did. Leave your possessions. After Trump won, all these actors, we're going to move. We're going to move. We're leaving. Where'd they go? Nobody left. Mm-hmm. We're a bunch of fucking bullshit artists. Right. That's what we've become a bunch of fucking faggy fucking bullshit artists. Again, I can't say the word faggot. I'm 55. For 30 years, faggot did not mean you were gay. Not at all. At all. It meant You ever see, you ever drive down the street and the ambulance is going by? Yeah. And you see a guy plugging his ears? Yeah. That's a faggot. Right. Okay, that's a faggot <laughs> where I come from. <laughs> when they cover their ears and the ambulance goes by. Right. You know, I am going to walk the walk and talk the talk. I live my life. I am an R-rated comic. Right. Adam Sandler said the best quote about me, when Joey Diaz walks in a room, it becomes R-rated. By his mannerisms, and I'm not going to change now. The worst thing comics do, or people do, is I stopped doing blow in 2007. After oh yeah, a 37 year fucking stint of I was a junkie. I was pretty much right. I quit as I was doing my name is Earl with with you. Right, that was the last couple days. In fact, if you watch all Holy the episodes, shit. my tooth was starting to get a black vein in it, and that they didn't do that. That was the coke. I had to go to Beverly Hills and get it fixed. The booger sugar. The booger sugar made it go down. But it made me realize something at the end of that, that part of my cocaine addiction all those years, the shit at the end, the last eight years, was fueled by Hollywood. What do you mean? And the bullshit, because I forgot that I was a man. This place, sometimes, it makes you forget who you are and that you're a man first. Right. Before I'm an actor, before I'm a comic, before I'm a singer or a dancer, I'm a fucking man. Right. And guess what, bitch? You little fucking director with a tattoo on your arm and a hat with your sleeves rolled up, you treat me like a fucking man. Right. I don't want to come on here and you're some prima donna or whatever. I got Years ago, I got ostracized on a Hardee's commercial. What happened? I ended up working with some well-known, established, commercial director it's a night shoot down in long beach and when they lighted the car from the inside they disconnected the brakes so every time we get out of the car the, the suv would roll and he first started with uh, what's going on here which is okay now there's no brakes and that by the eighth take it turned into are you fucking people idiots or are you retards and i stopped and that's when i was clean on coke for about a month and i looked at him and i go don't you ever fucking talk to me like that, or I'll knock that fucking hat off your thing. And the, the set froze. It was 1 in the morning. And he ran into his locker, whatever, his trailer. And he wouldn't come out until I left the set. And I go, uh-huh. who are you going to hire at 1 in the morning? You can't hire nobody. This is about you treating people with fucking respect, you right. motherfucker. You want to fire me? Fire me. But the next time I see you on the street, I'm going to light you up right there. If I was you, I'd put your little faggy fucking hat on. Come out here. And start treating people with the respect they deserve. Right. He came out, he finished the shoot. And today I have ten people in the industry that call me every six months or they see me and they go, What you did that night, I'll never forget in my and I didn't do it for praise. Right. I did it for who the fuck I was. Right. Because it, you know, don't do that joke. When when the scouts come to see you, they want to see family material. You know, don't say this. I'll never forget them telling me one time not to put Jersey down on my bio because Jersey was such a dump nobody knew about it. Then the Sopranos came up and all this shit, and that same stupid manager had to eat her fucking words. You know, we forget who we are. Right. When those girls sucked fucking uh, whatever's dick, uh-huh. they forgot who the fuck they were. and right. What their purpose was. Right. That's what this is all about. Not forgetting who the fuck you are. Yeah, they're stars. I'm never going to be a fucking star. I'm from North Bergen, New Jersey. When you did the movie Copland, yeah. that was a fictional story about North Bergen, New Jersey. That oceanfront that you see there, yeah. that's not there no more. Have you been to Edgewater, yeah, yeah, New Jersey Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's later? gone. It's gone. The mafia bought that in the 70s. I know exactly the people who did it and how they did it. They did it through the town mayor. They even bought the rights to the train that was going to be built there 20 years fucking later. The mob. The mob. Did it all legit? That's what Copland was about. Right. They just couldn't accuse. They had to make Copland edge something New Jersey. Right. Edgewater, New Jersey? Right. Where well, you guys were at the bar that I used to go in there. I used to work at H and B diner for Fernie Bassasudo's father. Who the fuck is Fernie Bassasudo? Don't worry about it. Some friend of mine that lost sixty large, our first year out of high school gambling, and he had a. We had to work off the debt at his father's store. You had a little bar, like a, a dinette there. Right there. Right there where you guys were shooting. Right. You guys were shooting next to a bar that was next to a lotto place. Right. So one of my friends got me a job right around the corner uh, working for That We did signs for Entenmann's cakes. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We sprayed the signs. It wasn't, it wasn't a job for me. It was a friend of mine that was a union delegate that said, go there and go to sleep every day. Right. Don't worry about nothing. You are covered right. your union. So I would go there and play football by myself and- and at lunchtime, one of the black guys would give me money, and I would walk to the liquor store. That liquor store where you guys shop. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I would get him a pint of blackberry brandy because he said it warmed up his bones. Uh huh. But I still remember that whole. I remember I used to go to a movie theater down there uh, by the riverboat. There was a boat down there that you went on and you ate dinner but right uh-huh. next to. I saw 48 Hours there. I saw Trading Places there. I Saw Ghostbusters there. If you went there with a broad to get your dick sucked before the movie or after <laughs> the movie, while you were sitting there, you could hear the rats eating at the bottom of your fucking car. That's fucking disgusting. That's how many rats there were at that time down there. You would walk to your car, like, looking, get in your car, and you'd be talking to somebody. You know, like, you had a girl with you. You split a, a, a eight-pack of nips. Right. You know, those little 6 Right. Out. And by the eighth pack, by the fourth beer, you could hear. Rats biting the bottom of the fucking car.
0: That's disgusting. Well, what do you think of New York now? Like, it's changed so much, you know, since I was a kid. Manhattan, um, specifically. Like, what? what is your take on the city now? Like, you know, like we talk about, oh, there's this and that in Times Square. But when we were kids, Times Square was a place you, you keep your fucking head on a swivel. Oh, my God. It wasn't like you went there. It was like, great. It was just New York. But you went there. You minded your fucking self. You minded your business. You had a,
1: as a kid being, you don't know what it's like in the eighth grade to, you know, yes tickets are going on sale. Like nobody knows this shit. And you had to go to Ticketron in the city. So you went to the garden. You didn't have to go to the garden. You'd go to St. Peter's Prep. But it didn't matter to us. We were playing hooky. We're going into the city. You get off right there on Times Square. You'd walk through that street on the inside towards Broadway, the last 30 yards. Yeah. It would just be murmurs of acid. Marijuana, cocaine, everything, quaaludes, heroin, bazookas—they had whatever you had. Then you walked onto Broadway, and there'd be two or three three-card Monte games. Now, if you went real
0: the, pimps, real, real prostitutes. Pimps,
1: if you went the other way, there was a gyro place. I grew up with those motherfuckers, the Aramides. So whenever I was in Manhattan, I would always go there and get a gyro on the arm. They'd always hit me up with a gyro. And then we would go from, we'd go to Madison Square Garden, get tickets.
0: Explain what gyro on the arm means because they, people. Gyro get, on the arm means a gyro, and I didn't have to pay for it. They gave him a
1: free gyro. I grew up with the guys. You know, I grew up with the Aramides. In fact, when I go home now, I still hook up with Helen Aramides on Thursday nights at my school teacher's bar. We all get on Facebook and we all meet. Is he G- still making gyros? He's still making
0: gyros. He's still in Times Square, but on the other side. Like they had to move locations. So you have ki- a young kid now. You can bring your kid to Times Square. It's like Disneyland in Manhattan. It's like if it's for it's tourist heaven, uh, local hell. What's better, the pimps, hustlers, the bazookas, coke, and marijuana, or that you could bring your kid to, to Times Square? And, like, what do you prefer? You know what I'm saying?
1: What do I prefer? I'm going to be honest with you. I remember going to Times Square, coming back from Cuba, and buy, and going to see Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's the only James Bond movie. That's in between James Bond. It's with a guy named George Lazenby, Diana Rigg, and Kojak was in that movie. Telly. Telly. I don't know how many times we took a like a, a because I lived on two hundred five West Eighty Eighth Street, right off Broadway, and we would take a cab. Me and my, my my dad died when I was three, so I was I had a godfather who threw the water on me at church, and he huh. stuck to his word. A godfather when your parents die they fill in. So during the week, he sold drugs, whatever the fuck he did. But on Saturdays, he'd pick me up and take me to Times Square as a fucking adventure. And he would tell me to walk straight, hold his hands, don't talk to nobody. And we'd go eat. We'd go see a movie. And then we he'd smoke pot in front of me. And uh-huh. He would tell me not to tell my mother. And he'd giggle. But I, I, don't, know, I don't know how many times I went to see the Harlem Globe Globetrotters. I don't know how many times I would just call Rappaport on a Tuesday and go, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing homework. Fuck you and your homework. The Sixers are in town. We're going to the fucking uh, Mass Square Garden. You got tickets? We don't need tickets. We're going to stub our way in. You understand me? We're gonna, I, I stubbed my way into the garden to see the Sixers against the Knicks. December of fucking 78. Stubbed our way was in Was Doc even on the Sixers? Doc was on the Sixers. That's why we went. I was in the eighth grade. Doc had just, it was his first year or his second year. Remember the first year he came into the league, he he fucking won the MVP of the All-Star game just to let these motherfuckers know what time it is. But I still remember how much of a student I was of New York. I knew New York City from the meatpacking district because I would go there with my mother to buy
0: steaks. I mean, the meatpacking district now is something completely different. Don't you you kick yourself in the head going, I should have fucking bought something over there. It was a shithole. You it went, was a degenerate piss pot. When you went down there, you never even thought
1: of that they were going to do anything. You
0: couldn't. That. You couldn't imagine it. It was a shit fucking box. Lower East Side was a fucking shithole. A shithole. And, and and no disrespect. That's just part of what Alphabet it
1: is. Alphabet City. That it was a I,
0: fucking piss pot.
1: I used to drive my. Friends you would never imagine. Heroin. I
0: need to buy a building here. But if if I knew what I knew now.
1: Oh my god. Oh my God. Remember the Delancey Street?
0: Yeah, with the fucking bubble gooses and
1: the Shirley. And you had the-, the Hasidic Jews. Oh yeah. So you had to go in there early. They sold Converse sneakers. <laughs> Converse created a new sneaker for them called Limousines for the Feet. They were twenty-one bucks. That was that was like fucking too much in those days. Because Converse were eleven ninety-nine. Coach Converse were nine ninety nine. God forbid you got Coach Converse. The kids made fun of you. Only Puerto Ricans and a couple of poor white kids got Coach Kahn's. then They were missing the bottom star. When he came along, we would have to go to Delancey Street, and it was a Hasidic Jew street at the time. And the SIDS, like the Chinese, have a thing that if you're the first customer of the day, they have to do business with you. If not, the rest of the day is shit. What's
0: well, so, it's like a tradition? Or like a, a tradition.
1: Uh... It's their own little tradition. So I'd make sure I'd be at Delancey Street at 6 a.m., and I'd fucking hammer those Hasidic Jews even if I get it down to 1895, I'd be happy. I even won two tickets when Julius Irving first came and he first devised that sneaker, Converse, would give you tickets to go to Julius Irving's training camp. He had one at Fordham and one at CCNY, yeah. and it was all sponsored by Converse.
0: That's they, cool. They
1: gave you a T-shirt. Doctor J shook your hand. And did you meet Doc? Fuck yeah! You know he's got a podcast. Yeah, I heard. I'd do anything to get on that podcast with you. I heard. And talk. I I mean, I was a fucking, I still remember going home to watch the fucking Nets with Billy Pultz and fucking Super John Williamson and, you know. Jesus, Larry Keaton was on the team for a while. Jesus Christ. Doc was, I mean, he's everything. Everything to me. Everything to me. I have the post, I have the statuette of him like that with the Sixers. And my friend Bob Lalingus just sent me an autographed picture of him like that with the fucking uh, net uniform. So I got two of them, and I put the net uniform behind. My comedy's like Julius Irving. How? Taking it to the hoop, bitch. You got to. Every opportunity, take that bitch to the hoop. Right. Fuck the mid-range jump shot. Yeah. I'm trying to
0: dunk on your fucking head.
1: and And you know, he used to kill the Lakers. Like, if you watch all his famous dunks, the ones that fucking, they all went into the locker room and said, what the fuck is that? He went off on the Lakers.
0: What do you think about that? Like, in my opinion now, it's like uh, podcasts are like assholes. Everybody has one. You've been doing it how long? Six years. So you got in, like, you know, you were doing it when it was podcast. It was like this, It's like almost like sort of like ham radio. I was ready to quit the business. Why? I got married.
1: I moved to the Valley. I figured out that I had enough friends that were writers that if they could uh, throw me on their shows (laughs) from time to time. I could make SAG insurance, and I would do comedy around town, but I wasn't going to travel, and I was going to sell Fords up in the valley. And I went. I couldn't pass the piss test at the Ford place. Oh, you, because you were still fucking? No, no, with the reefer. Now I just smoke reefer. Okay. So uh, I approached a girl about starting a podcast, and we were- How were you
0: even aware of it at that point?
1: Rogan was already doing it. Okay. Rogan was already doing one on the road at night. And I said, you know what? What a bet. I, I always knew something. Listen, there's a 1,000 great actors, and you're in that fucking realm, and there's a 1,000 great comics. But remember when you watch boxing? You ever watch boxing? You watch a profile on an athlete, and you really weren't crazy about him? hmm But then they showed you, oh, he's got three kids, and you watch him playing with his kids, and he talks to you about his life, and it gave you a different perspective on who that person was. Right. I was that guy. I got you. I was a mediocre, funny guy, like a New York City funny fucking guy that was kind of lost. But I have something that nobody else got. I had a childhood that rocked. I could, you know, my mother died, but God gave me the gift of friendship, which people will live their whole fucking life and not have real friends. I'm not talking about you turn 40 and they have a party for you at the Beverly Hilton and you were amazing in your last film. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, you know, the friend isn't the guy that bails you out. It's the guy that's sitting next to you in the cell, mm-hmm. going, "Hey, I got you here." Mm-hmm. We don't have that no more, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I might be a success, have a successful career, kind of sort of whatever I'm doing with comedy, but I'm lonely as fuck. Are you lonely as
0: even fuck. even married and with a kid?
1: I still yearn for the kids I grew up with. I talk to them every day. I talk to them every fucking day, but. That thing we had, you can't you can't pay for that. It's not about money. It's not about you booking this movie and I'm trying to get in there with you. This is about dog, I'm stuck in a hotel. The Hindus want forty bucks. The chick has passed out. I've been eating her ass all night with Coke. And uh, you know, whatever the fuck it is. Right. You know? So they were there for me. I right. can never, you know, when I got grudge match, I took my seventh grade teacher to the premiere. Who takes their seventh grade teacher? to the premiere of Grudge Match, and we hated each other. When you were the student. In the seventh grade, I threw his keys away. He goofed on me about something, and I took his keys, and I threw them in the garbage. And he found out it was me on the last day of school, and he came to my house cursing and shit. But the first day of school, he didn't hold it against me. And then I found out a couple weeks in that he was in the fucking Hall of Fame for basketball. Oh, really? His name is John Barone, and he had the most free throws in college. Still, the record still holds today, 73 free throws in a row in college. So I fell in love with him. I got you. I listened to him. Uh, I still talked to my other sophomore teacher because my mom was gone at the time. And these guys filled in. I got you. You know, I had a guy that filled in. His name was Carmine, the Torch Balzano. He was a, a cop that would set houses on fire for people part-time. So <laughs> 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 He's the one who took me in. That's why whenever you saw Carmine, you'd always go... Come on, you got a match? And he'd go, go fuck yourself, you uh, little cocksucker. Uh, because he lit, he, a, yeah, he lit a couple of his own places on fire. Yeah, he,
0: he had a match.
1: He knew exactly how to light a match, Jewish lightning.
0: Analyze this and grudge match De Niro. I'm sure, I am sure I know De Niro means a lot to you. All, he means a lot to all of Everybody, us. Everybody, yeah. But a New Yorkers, it's like a different, like if you're an actor. Yeah. What was your experience with Bob? The first time, I didn't talk to him.
1: I saw him, but I didn't have the heart to say anything to him because I know he, su- he suffers from the same thing I suffer from, social fucking anxiety. I mean, fucking extreme Big with time. him. You could tell when you talk to him. You could feel it. The you shyness. You could feel it. He's very shy. He doesn't want to be there. He's been put in a bad position. Now he's been turned into a legend. Next time you're having a bad day, think about being De Niro in a restaurant eating dinner. How many assholes come up to you and say, hey, you looking at me? <laughs> hey, you looking at me? Hey, you looking at me? Cause just so many looking at me's before you fucking snap, you know. But uh, the second time in Grudge Match, all my scenes were pretty much with him. And when he first came up, we spoke a little bit. I went, this is what happened. This is the truth, and I know it happened to you. Are you ready for this? I got to the to New Orleans, and I said, take me to the set. I went to the hotel, I smoked the number, and I went right to the set. And it was It was the scene when him and LL Cool J. Now, this is LL Cool J. He's been acting for years. He's not fucking Juilliard's nephew, but he'd get the job done. He's a rapper. He's from Queens. When I saw De Niro from a distance, he was De Niro. He shook his hand. They were giggling about something. Once they said action, the first three takes were persona non grata, all on LL Cool J. He messed up his lines. And then came Mike, and I couldn't figure out why until I looked De Niro in the face when he was this close. And he goes, how you doing, Bobby? And I go, Joey, nice to meet you. He goes, this scene's easy. And we giggled about something. And I looked at him, and then you could see Goodfellas. You see uh, Midnight Run. You see all these movies. And that's where your fucking
0: body goes into the state of fucking whoa. And you got to just step it up. Whoa. You got to just fucking, it's like. You are in front of him, but he don't wanna he's not there for you to like kiss his ass. No. You gotta step it the fuck you up.
1: Step it up. So our first scene was very light. We knocked it out. Three takes. Boom, we turned it around, two takes, bam. He shook my hand. The next day was we had a jump rope in front of me and I had to tell him his tits were going up and down and shit. And that was interesting because we giggled. I didn't say nothing out of line. I didn't say I loved you and good fellas. I didn't ask him to take a picture. Right. Nothing. I was just happy to be there with him. Then the third day it was me, him, and the kid that's really hot right now, the white kid. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was great. Yeah. And that day we really laughed. I know you're talking about he had, me, he had to call me a fat fuck. And, Bob and, did? Yeah. And every time he said fat fuck, he came over and he apologized. And I go, are you fucking crazy? Knock it off with the apologies. And he's like, no. Every time he called me a fat fuck in the scene, when I walked back in, he came in and apologized. And you're like, I'm honored to be called a fat Are fuck you. Are fucking kidding me? Call I, me more. Call me more. Anything. Dirty cunt. Whatever <laughs> you want to call me. I don't give a fuck. But I learned a lot from him that day. He shook my hand. What I learned from him, I work out every day because of Robert De Niro now. Because, Why? Because when he did The Raging Bull, he met that young trainer. That trainer is still his trainer. He mm-hmm. still travels with him. So one hour a day, Monday through Friday, no matter where De Niro is, he does an hour of calisthenics. Push-ups, jumping jack stretches, yeah. squats. He pulls himself up on a pole three or four times. That's why he's who he is. Right. So that's what I took from him, to take good care of yourself.
0: No well, what's hour. your workout? What's your health thing? Because you were saying earlier, what do you want, a shit pill? What did you, what did you no, say? No, no, no.
1: I started at 418. After I did the longest yard you were
0: four hundred eighteen. Four
1: eighteen, and then I dropped like eighteen. How a mile, tall are you? Five ten.
0: You were four hundred eighteen pounds.
1: Oh my god, it was terrible. Between the blow, the sleep apnea, the eating—fucking four breakfasts. I love Chinese food. I'm a true New Yorker. I could put down. And on my phone, I got pictures of the best egg rolls in the country, and they're all on the East Coast. Two right. of them. I got up to four eighteen, bro. Rappaport. When I got here, I got—I was always a health nut. But when I got here my love for stand up was so powerful that I put it front burning. I slipped I lived in a car. I took showers at the comedy store. You know, whatever I could eat I would eat. If it was a soda and a Wendy's burger That's what it was.
0: You didn't give a fuck. You were just eating. Eating.
1: If Rappaport told me we're going for a steak, I ate a steak. And I ate the mashed potatoes, and I ate Rappaport's meal. (laughs) And then I did the longest shot. When I got the longest shot, I was 376. Now I got a guy bringing me double pastrami sandwiches every day. And I'm drinking sodas like it's going out of and I'm snorting blow, and I'm not excited. I lived across the street from the Y for years. And I would look at it as like, uh, I'm not going in there. And then I started boxing over at Justin Fortunes with Michael uh-huh. Foley. Uh, and I went down to like 390. I stopped drinking sodas. Then I went to Weight Watchers. I got down to 270.
0: You'd be a good Weight Watchers guy. Oprah needs to have you do it. Weight yeah, Watchers. Yeah, no.
1: So now I'm back in Weight Watchers. So I went back December 9th. I weighed 309. I'm down to 280 now, 282.
0: Are you working out?
1: Yeah, I go to Muay Thai twice a week.
0: So, what, got, so what is that like? very close quarters type it's not punching right no Muay Thai.
1: look let me tell you something there's a big difference of working out when you're 30 and what you could do when you're 55 so you have to be honest with yourself okay first of all you have not that much testosterone so it's tough for you to recover but i still want you to push your heart a little bit you still got to do something you know archie what's his name archie we grew up on our idol Archie Bunker, yeah, our idol, yes. was 46 years old when he did that show. Wow. He looked like he was 60. Yeah. Us, we have a different opportunity than our parents and our grandparents. When you're 50, you have to do some type of strength weight. 15 yeah. pounds. 15 pounds. Right. You don't got to go to the gym and fucking put wraps on your knees. Right, and, right. Because I'm trying to compete with him in my mind. This little fuck? Yeah. he's talking about do, Dean, by the way. By Dean. If I, like, the when shooter. I'm at the gym, I'm watching that Dean. Guys like me and you watch Dean.
0: Not this fucking, other guys, not well, this fucking matter. guy. If, if Dean is. No, no one's watching you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's watching you.
1: Even if Dean is doing like, Dean is over there at jiu-jitsu with motherfuckers and getting arm bars.
0: So how many times a week are you doing, what is it, Muitu?
1: Muay Thai and conditioning? It's at 9 a.m. to 10 on Lancashire, right across from the Starbucks. What happened was my buddy owns a jiu-jitsu school. So I was at coffee. I dropped the baby off about eight forty-five. How old's your baby? Five.
0: You're crazy, man. Crazy. You're fucking nuts. Crazy. Man. Crazy. I wouldn't even go back. I got two kids, sixteen and eighteen. One of them's driving. The other one's learning to drive. That fucking dropping off shit. This your only kid? Yeah. That's you're fucking nuts. I drop her off. But it's it. good you could still ski at fifty. So you skied it at fifty. You 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 were still still fertile. I'm Cuban. I got the
1: Cuban balls, dog. That's Those spick balls. Big dog. Cuban fucking I'll, balls. I'll inflame your pussy. But if I'm 88, I can still knock you up. You know, there's a comedian, Theo Vaughn. He, his father had him when he was 74, and he had two kids after that. Theo used to drive him to the liquor store when he was 10, sitting on Yellow Pages.
0: And the father was 84. At that time. Fuck that.
1: I, I mean, listen, I did a movie with Don Johnson, and he had just had a kid, and I go, I'm sitting there talking to him, sweetheart of a guy. Right. And uh he's like, I'm, I'm again I'm looking at him thinking, what a selfish motherfucker you are to have a kid at fifty. Well, two years later I knocked my wife up for thirteen years. Right. Thirteen years, nothing happened, no accidents, no misunderstandings. She got knocked up. What do you want me to do? Right. What do you want me to do? knock pull you know, pull a Sinatra and pull the hanger out? I can't right. do that. Right. My wife is a different person. The house is a different person. It put a fire under my ass. Comedy's a lot better. Right. And if it wasn't for her, I'd be shotgunning people at this age. Right. If it wasn't, that little girl, this morning I woke up in a weird mood. I took that Swiss Chris all night. Yeah, what's took... a Swiss Chris? Swiss Chris is a cleansing. So you want you want to bring your body back to when it was 13. You uh-huh. Know? I read about how Elvis died with 80 pounds of unprocessed shit in his bowels and shit. Ugh. When he was 350 pounds, all of us carry. The king. Remember, remember in Beverly Hills Cop, there's a scene where they're staking out the joint? Yeah. And the guy goes, do you know that most Americans carry between 14? And he goes, I don't want to hear that. That's right. the truth. So with Swiss, Miss, Swiss Chris, you go on Amazon.com, it's eight bucks. It used to be four. People got a hip to it. Now it's eight bucks. And you take two pills a night for one week. Drink water just before you go to bed. A glass of water, two pills.
0: Swiss crisp.
1: Yeah, you're going to hear a couple of rumblings in your stomach and noises you've never heard before. You're going to catch yourself like by the fourth day blasting farts that you're proud of. Like you're like, God damn, this is a fart and a half. Like this is real. And last night I went to bed at 10 and at 12 I got up and that's when I started shit. (laughs) <laughs> and I shit from 12 to 5. Finally, at 5, I got up and started writing jokes and sending out emails to agents, cursing motherfuckers out. Yes, when they get there at 9, they already know what time they, it they is know the Joyce. Joey. I'm on a war pad. So I fell back to sleep at 7. I woke up till 9. I called the kickboxing guy, so I'm not coming in. Because you were shitting? Because I was shitting. I didn't feel good. And I was going to call you, and I go, you know what? I have a podcast. There's nothing worse than somebody canceling the day out because of some bullshit. Let me go or some and shit get shit. Some air. I went out. I smoked a joint. I got a little iron, a little fresh air, and fuck it, I'm good to go.
0: So what's the end result of this Swiss Chris supposed to do? Like clean you out? Are you clean. eating on it? Oh yeah, you eat on it. So now that you're you're Swiss Christen, you're mui, my tying, we tying, or I can't pronounce, but I respect it, and I don't want to fuck jiu-jitsu, with it. Jiu
1: Jitsu. If I don't go to Jiu Jitsu some days, I stay home and just do kettlebells and I stretch. But what are you eating? What's your diet game? I'm I'm straight up Weight Watchers. Chicken, fish.
0: The little meals and shit. No,
1: no, 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 no. With Weight Watchers, you eat what you want. You just control yourself like a normal human being. Not an animal. Yeah, so chicken and fish. What about
0: tubs of ice cream?
1: No, chicken and fish are free. Right. Chicken and fish. You can eat as much as you want. Right. So let's say you get two chicken breasts with some sauce with olives and white rice. All you pay for is the six points on the white rice. I got you. Seafood. I eat seafood every fucking day. My wife will make a salmon for me every fucking day or... Meat they bang you out for. So you got to be careful with meat, which is good. I'm 50. I don't want to. The other night I went to Morton's, and exact, as soon as I get my New York strip, it's 16 ounce, I cut it in half. I take the other half, I give it to the babysitter. You know, she's making fuck. She's fighting for her life. A steak right. from Morton's. Right. She'll fucking suck your dick for it. And. I brought, and I had, a back, I had a baked potato. I split the baked potato with my wife. I didn't touch the bread. I didn't touch the butter.
0: And so you're, you're conscious of the shit. Yeah. You got to be.
1: And then when you travel, like when it's I travel. tough once travel, right? No, because I still think about, I know what places to go to. Like I went to Denver two weeks ago. I'm a green chili guy. If you go to Denver and you don't have the green chili, you're slipping. Don't worry about nothing mm-hmm. else. Eat the green chili. It's right. a bowl of green chili pork soup Right. that goes on everything. Eggs, hamburgers, steaks, whatever you want. This time I only went one time. I went Thursday. I had a bowl with two tortillas, and I was good. I went to Muay Thai on Friday and Saturday, so I burnt those points off. And they give you points for exercising. And Beans are free. Chicken breasts are free. Fish is free. Fruit is free. Right. So I go up to my favorite fucking uh, smoothie place. I get a, a pomegranate. What type of shit the kombucha pomegranate, juice? Pomegranate, no. kombucha. You get the cherry kombucha yeah, juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one calorie. It's one point.
0: What are you into? What do you think of this intermittent fasting, where like where you like eat at six and you don't eat again till twelve? That- it works for a lot of people.
1: It doesn't work for me because my my uh, sugar drops. Right. My blood pressure. I don't want. That's what makes me dizzy and I get vertigo and I get sick. So.
0: You get vertigo? Yeah. You, my wife gets it, and I I'm always like, and she's like, I take it seriously because like she's like ready to go to the hospital. You have no fucking idea. what, what is it to you? Like what, when We're you get s- the worst vertigo, it's like Alfred Hitchcock comes yeah. in your head. Like what's going yeah. on?
1: You wake up and everything's like slides, like pictures. Like so, I'm up in the bed like this. I'm sitting there ready to get up, and I can't get up. I'm on my side, and it switches. And with me, it's that I didn't Q-tip my ears, and it's that I have to put plug in my ears when I shower. Because if not, the water gets in and it goes all the way to the bottom.
0: But when you get the bad vertical and it's really kicking, what, what, oh, is that? it like that feeling as if you're getting up and you sort of lose? Yeah. You but can't it get keeps up. going?
1: Yeah, you can't get up. And it stays? It stays for a little while. You got to go home and lay down and take a nap. And the medication puts you to sleep. So that's why you can't. The
0: do vertical that. medication? Yeah,
1: it fucks with you a little bit.
0: And what about you're like sort of a motivational guy. Like people get motivated by you because you're like, you're like, the guy. Like, you're a regular fucking guy. It's obvious. You you do your videos. You don't give a fuck. You smoke the weed in front of the videos. Where's your head at with the fact that California now, and people in New York, they still don't get it. I tell them, like, like my friend, my friend I was like, you literally could go, it's like going into a bodega. Like, you have your neighborhood weed spots in Los Angeles. What is weed to you? What's your preference? What's your edible game? What's your oil game? Like, what does Joey Diaz smoke, eat, as far as the edibles and the weed.
1: okay i like edibles at night I like it go a thousand milligrams my my are you serious oh we've done two thousand and stars of death we go deep on the podcast like the wednesday night we went deep we ate 600 milligrams a mushroom cap and a xanax to calm down the fucking edible because that's what people don't know you got to
0: you're crazy, you gotta, man. You gotta, 600, I'd be. You, you'd be.
1: You, you got to tame the edibles. So you got to do a half a Xanax, one of those little fag ones, a 2.5. Don't eat so, the stick.
0: Because the edible goes up. Like, so you're doing an indica.
1: And then you get anxiety. So you bounce off with a little Xanax, and nobody gets their feelings hurt. You do a couple bunk hits for Jerry's kids. And we ate a mushroom cap. And we ended up at the coral Diner at one in the morning, eating like savages. I didn't go to bed till four. Danny, but, Danny Brown, the rapper, yeah. he ate more mushrooms, and he stood up till eight in Hollywood. We were supposed to hook up. Went. Like,
0: But what's going on? Like, that doesn't fucking we, floor you?
1: We do the podcast while we're getting high. So before we start the podcast, <clears throat> we eat the mushrooms, the edibles. So while we're doing the podcast, it hits us.
0: Do you sometimes listen back to the podcast? Like if you know oh, you end yeah. and go, what the fuck is going on? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. But I like that. Listen. Podcast, I'm not supposed to be Howard Stern. Right. I never said I was Howard Stern. I never said I was Rick D's, Right. If the dog barks, that's why it's a podcast. Right. If the ambulance goes by, that's why it's a podcast. If we curse, that's why it's a podcast. If we don't edit it, that's what makes a podcast. Mm-hmm. Not that we're in a studio mm-hmm. with pictures of Hemingway on the wall. Mm-hmm. and You could have all that and have the shittiest podcast in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcasting is they want to cut into a conversation. They want to hear your true, honest opinion. And uh, that's it. They want to know what you're going through at the time. Right. You know, we as Americans look up at these people. We look up at all these people. We look up. We look up. And you got to realize we all put our pants on one leg at a time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're just, we're not, I'm, I'm over it. Like I'm over all the, what you may think. You know right, what I'm saying? I remember sleeping in a, in a rocket ship in 1985. Uh, what, what? You know uh, those, you know those parks that have a rocket ship yes. for kids to play in. I'd bundle up and sleep in one of those. So who the fuck are you to tell me what I can't, cannot say, cannot do, cannot eat? You know, I I paid my uh, debt to society. I did my four years for kidnapping you locked up for
0: four fucking years,
1: fucking four years, four to six years sentence aggravated robbery, assault, kidnapping. I had a heavy-duty thing in Boulder, and I ended up doing a... My, I had a good attorney, and he negotiated down to a nonviolent because they couldn't find my fingerprints on the machine gun. So I fucking got a nonviolent, but it it let me know what I didn't want to do. Like, I still wanted to be a savage, but I don't want to be a savage in jail. That's not
0: life. Do you think about being in jail, like, now that you're... It's Every so day. Every day.
1: Every night when I go to bed and I put the covers over me I, I I imagine that one that I'm homeless sleeping on the streets of North Hollywood and two that I'm in my prison just to remind me just to remind me how fucking lucky I am
0: and was it as bad as everybody uh, imagines and all the things you hear no it wasn't no why
1: it was like a fucking summer camp
0: was um, it this prison that you were at that was it wasn't a violent prison?
1: It was uh, the first two months I spent in Diagnostic (laughs) and in Canyon City. Yeah, you're around some fucking heavy-duty people, but I keep my mouth shut. I'm on New York. I don't know nothing. I don't know nobody. I don't want to know nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. I didn't hear nothing. I didn't see nothing. Right. What a shame. What are you, retarded? Kind of. Yeah. I don't see nothing. I don't know nothing. I don't want to know nothing. And that keeps you where you are. I don't know nothing. Right. You know, I fuck with people. I like to have sweatshirts. And, I, and they're different colors, and I like to wear them outside, inside out. And I see how it drives people crazy. They all have to come up to me and go, you know your shirt's inside out. You know your shirt's inside out. I do it to torture people <laughs> because you don't know nothing. What do you give a fuck if your shirt's inside out? Mind your fucking business. Right. What are you, a fucking cop? Yeah, you writing a fucking, a fucking book? You know, my wife goes to this park, and about three years ago, we saw an abduction about to go down. Did you really? We saw an abduction about to go down about three years ago. The cops had to ask us questions. And how they do it is they, you know, they give a kid a fucking like a alka Salsa. And the kid goes down and all the white parents run to him and they forget about their own kids. So the Mexican was grabbing a kid and then the kid bit his hand and he got off. And guess who was, guess whose wife ran over to one of those kids? My wife. When she got home, I gave her a tongue lashing like she never fucking heard before. Because my wife is from Tennessee. She's very, you know those people that are too nice? They bother me a little bit. When people are too nice, they bother me a little bit. I got you. There's got to be a by the way here. I got you. Show me the by the way, and I like you even more. I got you. So I had to tell my wife, hey, now when a kid drops, you turn around, you watch your kid. And then you pay attention to that kid. You, the our kid could have got abducted.
0: Did they we, catch the motherfucker? Yeah,
1: they caught him like on the 101. Uh, Holy shit. Two hours later with a van. And Jesus fucking Christ. Got to be careful. So that's why I say don't fall for nothing. When I was a kid, I remember doing TAC Crystal. You know what that is? Yeah. That's fucking gorilla dust. That's angel dust. We were like 13 or 14 and we'd go into the city on Sundays. And I remember getting caught up on a three-card Monty game one time. Me and my buddy Carlos Perez, who's still alive. I still talk to him. His son's graduating from the University of Miami, and he's going to come up here to spend a month with me and do his uh, – he has a film. Oh, okay. That's how close I am. With right, friends. right, right. They send their kids to me. So me and Carlos, Dominic Special, a bunch of us would fucking get $10 bags of that shit and split them two ways. The Gorilla Dust? The Gorilla Dust. And we go into the city. I'll never forget – we had to be made. I mean, Dominic died when he was fifteen. Dominic Special, God bless his soul, died when he was fifteen. He drowned on that shit. Uh-huh. He did that shit and, and jumped into Lake Apachon, and his legs went out from under him from the shock, and he drowned. Jesus, God bless his soul. But I still remember him being alive. His brother, his brother was one of those kids that had a lot of acne, right? And one day he had a, a yellow head right on his lip i'll never forget he went to bite into it and the thing busted on the Ugh. fucking hamburger it was like mustard
0: that's fucking disgusting but
1: tremendous when you're fucking 15 Ugh. you know what i'm saying so we were they were playing three card monte i'll never forget that i took a ten dollar card out and i lost and dominic looked at me and he goes what the fuck is wrong with you don't you know these fucking yams are running a scam on us and shit look at this shit and all of a sudden, while he's talking to me, I actually see Dominic look at the cards right in front of me. And he's looking at him. And all of a sudden, I see him go in his pocket, gets a 20, and boom, you're gone. And in those days, they would get travelers. They would get travelers. And once they get travelers checks, once they hit a minimum of 2,000, the black guy in the corner would go, police. And they right. flip the game open. And you'd sit there going, hey, come back. I want to play more. Fuck you. Right. They're going to the next bus. Bro. They were magicians with it. They were magicians. It. Magicians. It was, it was just- incredible. But it was just amazing to see somebody who just gave you advice go through the same thing he saw, what I saw. You know? I don't even know how he
0: got to this topic. My my man, Nick Totoro, he's been on your podcast. He's been on my podcast. One of the funniest. Naturally funniest dudes in the world. And the more distressed and frustrated he is, the better he is. The more funny.
1: Pound for pound, the biggest Yankee fan out there. Oh,
0: he's crazy.
1: I've got him hooked up. I'm going to wire his house. I'm going to wire him, his TV room like yours. And, and just- have, and, Watch the Yankees with America. Have, have that be, like, just have him. I told him today- he's It's just,
0: better when they lose. It's actually, when they win, it's good, too, because the level of emotion, it's oh, kind of the same. singing and
1: dancing, but when they lose, uh, it's, you've never seen anything like that. He's a real, you know, you show these people Yankee hats, yeah, no, 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 caps no, no. on. He's out of his giggle. fucking tree. He knows history- he knows the batters, the coaches. You know, I'm surprised MLB hasn't reached out to him because he's genius and he he can add something to somebody's organization by the way he goes off. So we're gonna wire him. I told him today he's in basic training, just like the bitch pitches, Everybody's in. He's, he's got to do ten pushups on the on periscope. He's got to hit a whiffle ball today. Right. He's got to do all that shit. He's going through spring training, getting ready for baseball. And once the first week of May, he's doing his little TV show.
0: I wanna come on your podcast.
1: Whenever you want.
0: And I think just because I know the extra hot sauce, so we don't just repeat this, you, me, and Nick, and I think it could be a a, a world stopping
1: New York City style.
0: Where are you from? In New I'm York? from Manhattan. Grew up in Manhattan, on the now, east side of Manhattan.
1: Now how were you the first time I met you was at the improv. Right. Nineteen ninety seven. Damn, you got a, young a good boy. Man. You were introduced to me, my Mark Lano and his wife, and I almost shit my pants. You were very sweet. The way you walked in there, you were very hot at the time. And you walked in there like you would give me a $100 bill and I asked you for it. Right. What is your connection to them?
0: Joanne, Mark's wife, was married to my father. They have a daughter, my sister, Claudia. When they got divorced... Joanne, my father married my mom, June, and but we always remained cool. And Joanne and Mark, when I was thirteen, I would come visit my sister, and I didn't know what the fuck cl- they She was like the club, the club. I'd go to the improv as a kid, you know, and and Mark owned the club, and I walk in there. I mean, I literally the first person, I, the first time I ever walked into the improv in 1983. The summer of 1983, because I had gotten kicked out of summer camp, and my father was, you're not fucking staying here. You're not staying here in the summer, because I had been going to camp every summer. He was like, you're not fucking staying here. And I'd been kicked out of school and all that shit. Um, I went came visit Claudia, who at the time was a little bit of a mess. I didn't know it. But she said, the club, the club. We went to the I went walked right in the back. Keenan Ivory Wayans was on the stage. I would sit there and watch Keenan, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Dom Herrera, fucking... Robin Williams, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, Eddie Murphy, everybody would come through the improv. At the time, I wasn't thinking about wanting to be an actor. I wanted to be in the NBA. I wanted to be the, the, the next Chris Mullen. Me too. But, yeah, you know, and it's, comedy's a lot easier than than making, you know, making three-point shots. But that, when, when I realized at 17 that my hoop dreams were not coming through, and I had always been a big mouth, always been funny, always... my, my Like, you know, in the streets, it's either you could really fight, uh, you were, you know, you were really crazy, um you know, you could play ball. I played ball a lot, but my superpower was talking shit. That's how I kept people at bay. I wasn't a tough guy. I wasn't the best ball player. But, like, that was the thing that, like, kept, the, you know... People, like, around, like, I kept, I was the life of the party. i talk shit. I would take the shit talking. And then when I was 17, 18, and because I loved Eddie Murphy so much, long story short, I was like, I want to do stand-up comedy. I started doing stand-up comedy I was 19. I wasn't that good. I could make people laugh, but I wasn't, like, a, a craftsman. I didn't understand what a joke was. I didn't understand a set. And then when I started acting, it came as natural to me as I always dreamed basketball would. Like, that was, like, that's what I was supposed to be doing. Like, I, I, like it, Like the first time I ever picked up sides, it was, like, it was what I dreamed basketball would always be for me. The first time I was, like, I can do this. And that was it. That was it. Like, I was, fuck comedy. That was it. And I was, like, I'm going to be an actor. And, and I always loved movies, but I loved the characters. Like, I loved Rocky. But I didn't want to be... A movie star. I wanted to be Rocky. I loved Tony Monero and Saturday Night Fever. I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to be that actual Tony Monero. So I cut my hair. I was, and then I just started working. I, I mean, I got fucking lucky. It was timing and luck. It was the right parts at the right time. Zebrahead and True Romance, it was the right fucking parts at the right time and the right opportunities and tenacity. This business to me is so much about tenacity. Like, you know, like, I used to go into auditions. Like, to me, like the, like, the sports and the New York of it all, when I'd go into auditions, like, I was like, we're fighting. We'd be in the waiting room. We'd be 20 other actors, all good actors, Adrian Brody, Ben Affleck for this movie. And I'm like, I'm Mike Tyson. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Like, I'm going to bust your fucking ass. This is what I'm in my head. I have to be the best to go in there to get this fucking part. Like, the, and and the the fact that I had some talent as an actor... But the tenacity from playing sports, hanging around in the hood, hanging around real tough guys, it helped me because you know so much about this business. So much is like, it's like you could have two skill sets. You could be the best actor and a shitty auditioner. You may never get a fucking real break, right? I mean, I've always been comfortable with auditioning, but like. Me
1: too, I have smoked those things.
0: I have no problem with it, but there's way better actors than me that to this day, they get fucking freaked out by the whole situation, you know, and they, they might not get the job because. You go in there, especially when you have no cachet. Like now, I go in audition if I have to, and I'm comfortable, and I'm comfortable enough to be like, "Hold on, let me stop. Let me let me start again." Like I'm, like I know that at the end of the day, the casting director's job is to find me, to find Joey, to find Dean, to find any Joe Schmo, because that makes their life easy. So if if I have to go in there, like I, I know my worth, I could be like, "Let me start again." You know what I mean? Um, but when I was young, the auditioning and the mentality was like. Mike Tyson in his prime. Like, I'm kicking everybody's fucking ass in here. We're not friends. We're not small talking. I don't fucking know you. You're some fucking trained actor. I'm doing this for real. And I would get, I got lucky. I got lucky because I was good at it and the the opportunities presented themselves.
1: Let me ask you a question uh, because it was very disappointing for me. (laughs) It took years for me to get over it. How tough was the prospect of you not playing basketball when you came to terms with it?
0: You know what? I had played so much, and it was probably about a year where I, I kind of like meandered around, but but I, I had played so much, and I knew my worth in basketball was, wasn't was beyond the park. Like, I had been exposed to so many good ball players, like real Kenny Anderson, went to basketball camp with Sean Kemp, you know, Sean Higgins, Chris Mills. Like, I, I saw the separation at an early age, and I thought, well, maybe I could go to college and play. But but I knew, like, when I saw, like, you know, Kenny Anderson, like, at 13 was Kenny Anderson. There was no, like, he just turned into Kenny Anderson. Like, when I saw Sean Kemp, I remember literally, and I told him this, he was on the podcast. I, I was at basketball camp with him. I was 17. Sean was 18 with a full goatee. Probably, like, 205 pounds. And I was like, I'm not even, we're not even the same. I don't even, I shouldn't even be in the same, like, state as this fucking guy. He's going to the NBA. He could play in the NBA now. I wasn't even close to that shit. So it didn't, I had gotten so much from it. And 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 I realized also like basketball to me at the time was like, like I just loved, I loved the sport and I loved the camaraderie of it. I loved the park. I loved the game, but I loved going to the game and after the game probably more than I loved the actual game. When I look back on it, you know what I mean? Like I, I love the idea of it more than I actually, I mean, I put so much time into it, but I i loved it. I loved it, and I got nothing, but it gave me so much. I loved, the, the you know, playing bowl in New York in the park with your friends, riding the train to the games, shit-talking afterwards, you did this, you did that, look at your fucking sneakers, my sneakers are fucked up. That was, to me, that's what the memories were. The games were the games.
1: I got left back in the seventh grade, and I felt like I felt like that. It wasn't bad enough, I was a spick. It wasn't bad enough. I was insecure. It wasn't bad enough that on the block, they knew that we did Santa Maria in Northern New Jersey. It wasn't bad enough that my mom's bar was under indictment in Union City. Just like it, just wasn't enough. Like nothing was enough. So I turned to basketball. That sixth that seventh grade, and that's all I did. I read on Jerry West. He took 300 jump shots a day. Then a man by the name uh, Larry Bird came along and blew my mind. Just blew my mind. I wanted to move to French, like Indiana. <laughs> the, the week that Elvis died, guess where I was? I was at Superstar Basketball Camp, run by the Hurleys. Hurley's father, the two kids were two and four. Mm. I still remember those kids being. That's crazy. Fucking cre- and the, the, the camp was run at the time, the big shot at the camp was. Jackie Galoon from South Carolina, fuck the best. Jim Spinarkle out of yep, Duke. Yep. Michael Corin out yep. of Duke, uh, North Carolina, and there was one other guy. The center of St. Anthony's went to South Carolina that year. I ended up going down and I One outstanding rebounder at five. At 10. Hurley's camp. At Hurley's camp. That's good. And Mister Hurley and me became goombas. Are you still know him? I if I see him now, he'll give me a hug. He'll say, "Jesus fucking Christ." I used to talk to him and his wife the whole thing. Okay. I dedicated everything. I would get on the, I would put the basketball and the 10 speed in the thing and I would ride up the projects first and I would take 300 jump shots. Then I would go home and put spats on my ankle and try touching the rim. And I did everything. I did everything I could. My my 8th grade team was 0 and 7 the year before. Me and uh, this kid hilarious. He was Dominican and he had an afro. His name was Luis Hernandez. They called him Louis the nigger. They didn't care that he wasn't black. As long as he had an afro, he was Louis the nigger in the 70s. I'm still friends with him. He's a psychiatrist in New York. Still call him Louis the nigger. We used to do acid in the eighth grade and smoke pot and blow it into his afro. And if you wait five <laughs> minutes, the smoke would come out of his afro That's five fucking minutes later. 20. And we would die of fucking laughter. Still a great kid. We got, we got four and three. There's eight grammar schools in my in my fucking division, uh, one school has two teams. They were so good in basketball; they had A and B. A mm. was the eighth graders, and B was the seventh graders. I made it to the all star, thirteen to fifteen year old league. Made it to the all stars, AAU. Yep. With, uh, then, uh,
0: then Hurley r- the, r- Riverside the, Church and the Gauchos and all oh, this shit. I
1: still remember going to rucker league with Juan Rodriguez, and he wore a a karate jacket. And I go, one. I, I can't. We were we were in the eighth grade. I go, one. I can't believe. You wore a karate jacket to fucking the Rucker League. And he goes, you don't see nobody fucking with me, do you? I still remember Mr. Ketterer, who to this day could have been a child molester. He was a teacher that took us to all the basketball events uh-huh. with a crew cut. Anyway, uh, eighth grade year, man, I was it. There was rumors of me playing JV freshman year.
0: When did you realize that you weren't at the level that you dreamed of? The matter, I, I was I the was, same thing with I the was, 300 oh, they shots. They
1: fucking stop me in practice. When we did Cincinnati, they couldn't stop me. They could not stop me. My rebounding, the ball, pushing the ball out, they couldn't stop me. My freshman year, I didn't play football. I didn't know that in my high school, the defensive coach was the basketball coach, and he wanted you to play football for conditioning purposes. Uh I didn't want to do it. So when I got to that freshman year, he threw me to the Wolves. I mean, I was strong. You know why? I, I played, played CYO ball, Catholic mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. You know whose school it was? Tommy Heinsohn, where oh, he played. Shit. So when I see Uncle Cousin Tommy now, as I call him, he gives me a big hug. I just bumped into him at the airport in uh, Atlanta a few years How's ago. How's he doing? Old. Right. Old. Still tipping him, Still though. Still going, right? Still tipping him, though. And uh, So I, I love basketball. That freshman year broke me. He broke me. He broke. Till this day, I have fantasies of going back and slicing his throat.
0: It's fucked up, these coaches. You know, I never got broken, but I because I had such a- He broke me. I had such a- Remember the movie One-on-One with Bobby Benson? Benson. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It was just on about a month ago. I showed my wife. I'm surprised they didn't
0: remake that movie.
1: Yeah, they should remake that movie. And it was funny that years later, he was drunk at a bar. And a friend of mine said to him, you know, that was fucked up, what you did to Coco that year. And he goes- that motherfucker was never going to start on that team. Mm. I didn't give a fuck if he was slamming. And after that, I got a lung infection from smoking paraquat. And I walked away from basketball, and it was. It took me a year. Like I just did a year of drugs, and my mother died. I was still going through the pain of not playing basketball, seeing these fucking guys. And then I, I just started playing basketball for money. Uh, and we hung out at the deli called Hashways, and I just planned three-on-three, 10 bucks a point, whatever. You still play? Yeah, my shoulders are bad.
0: When we do your podcast, we got to go shoot around with, with Nick. Nick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I play one-on-one with Nick. It's everything you would imagine it would be. What's your, what's your take on Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan? Who's the best out of those three? Answer that question. And then Joey, Coco, Diaz. This isn't a right or wrong answer. You're starting, your favorite starting five of all time.
1: Uh, I love Michael Jordan. LeBron, I'm not hip on today's basketball. I'm not hip, it's too much drama, it's too much, I don't know. Michael Jordan, to me, was one of the best. But, again, there wouldn't have been a Michael Jordan if there were Julius Erving.
0: My top five starting team. Give me Joey Coco Diaz, official top five starting team.
1: Strong forward, a man by the name of Bernard King. Yep. That would not take anything from anybody. Strong guard Michael Ray Richardson,
0: the Sugar Man.
1: Point guard, I'd have to go with Wally Frazier. <laughs> oh fuck! all uh, Knicks. Yeah, I just have all Knicks. Uh, the other forward would have to be Julius Irving,
0: the Good Doctor.
1: And the, the center, with all respect, the starting center on my team would be Moses Malone, and his backup would be Willis Reed, at six foot nine, and his backup would be Dave Cowens, another white fucking savage that didn't give a fuck. When they, they wouldn't pay him his money, he became a cab driver in right. fucking uh, Boston. So that's my. I like your famous. Moses
0: Malone pick.
1: I drove. I took a bus from North Bergen, New Jersey, to Port Authority, all the way to Piscataway, New Jersey, when the Nets played at Piscataway to see Moses Malone at Houston against the Nets. Listen, Shaq, you're great. I love you to death, and all you other centers that come along, but. Nobody was banging out 20 rebounds and 20 points in those days. And he was 6'10". And he was 6'10". Uh, he was a fucking beast. I just bumped into Doug Collins recently, another one of my early idols, number 20 on the Sixers, Lloyd B. Free, another bad world. motherfucker. World. I knew him as Lloyd Free. Yep. And uh, I still remember, like, I had, I used to snort coke with Daryl Dawkins. When Daryl Dawkins was a net, me and the ball boy, we used to go to Daryl Dawkins' house And he was so tall that he'd snort Coke off the refrigerator.
0: Are you fucking serious?
1: This is, And then uh, we talked about it on the podcast. That's fucking good. And a buddy of mine got a hold of Daryl Dawkins, and he goes, I still remember Coco.
0: That's fucking good.
1: And then he died a couple weeks later. That's fucking good. Because the ball boy from the Nets was from my hometown. And at night, he would sell the sneakers. Because what people don't know is every night, basketball players change their sneakers. They get a new pair every night. So he would sell the size 15s. This is way before the internet, way before eBay. So the other thing he did was sell Coke to some of the players. And one of the Coke he sold, one of the players was Daryl Dawkins. That's crazy. He had a, a Rolls Royce with a 14-carat gold dashboard at his height of his career. He was the sweetest guy in the world. And then my buddies hooked the Giants up. With the, eight, with, the, with the booger sugar? By 87, it was an Irish bar, and it was filled with uh, giants at night. Leonard Marshall, all those guys. And I remember Mr. Sharples walked in one morning after church. And he saw 19 black guys in these bar, and he called Tommy Sharples over. and He goes, come here. What's this? He goes, the Giants. He goes, Giants, Giants, get these niggas out of my bar.
0: That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. We'll end on that? That's Jersey shit. Joey Coco Diaz. Listen, the next time I see you, I'm coming on your podcast. Yeah, we'll take a couple
1: of weeks. We'll give it
0: some time. I can't do what you were doing with the fucking rapper Danny Brown and all that shit. I'm no, a light no, no, fucking no. way. We'll I'll get wacky. I'll get fucking wacky.
1: Yeah, no, no. We won't take you to the murky. In but fact, not I'm, too
0: wacky. I I'm might done. have to I might have to Uber out there.
1: I'm done with the edibles and I'll Uber you back. I got my own personal Uber driver. He's Armenian. You call him up. He comes over and then he presses in the address for you. You know what I'm saying? Coco. You, you don't have an Armenian as a friend. You have nothing. Especially in L.A. And especially in L.A.
0: Joey Diaz Joey Coco Diaz I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast Thank
1: you brother Love you Love you too Thank you too little brother
0: I told you it was good You guys wanted it We gave it to you I want to thank my man Joey Diaz Coco Thank you for rocking me On the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast I cannot wait to come through And do the church Of what's happening now I think me, you, and Nick Turturro Need to do it together I appreciate you rocking with me. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, the Jake Lamada of podcasting. We never go down. We won't stop. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast, in here with the three-time co-host of the year, G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty. Miles, yeah. Jordan, take us out. We don't need any more words. Take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper, one of those G. Moody beats. Done. Yeah.